Welcome back, everyone, to the Beef Up Front Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Coyle, joined today by a special guest. We have college basketball insider, uh, works for the Big East Media Network, Fox Sports. You see him on TV all the time. We have uh, John Fanta with us today. John, how you doing? And welcome to the show. Ryan, it's great to be with you. Thanks very much for having me. I'm doing well. We're two weeks into this college basketball season. And while it's been a season unlike any other and will continue to be, it's been fun to get back into hoops. So exciting to join you here. Yeah, so the first thing I kind of wanted to hit on was, uh, as you said, we're almost two weeks into the season now. Uh, what are your thoughts on how it's going? I mean, obviously there's been a lot of cancellations, but we've also had some really good games. Uh, it's been kind of cool sometimes to, when it, one game gets canceled, the team will pick up another game within a 24-hour span. Just what are your uh, thoughts on how the season's going so far, almost two weeks in? Well, I think that we always knew that there would be some pauses and some cancellations, but it does have an AAU-type feel to it, as you brought up with the scheduling, where games are getting scheduled sometimes 24, 48 hours out. And so that creates a bit of a flare. And I give credit to coaches who are showing the willingness to adapt because that's the mentality that you have to have. You have to be willing to roll with the punches during these COVID-19 times. In terms of the way the season's going, I think it's been a lot of fun. And, and of course, there's been some, some negatives. Uh, of course, the one versus two game between Gonzaga and Baylor, the most notable of them. But, you know, Ryan, we always knew that that was going to happen. It's been great to just see college basketball back on TV, done in a safe and healthy manner. You still have 75 to 80% of the sport in action. I think those pros outweigh the cons of totally shutting anything down or not playing. And so overall, I think, I think that uh, I actually thought there might be more pauses or more chaos. I think there has been chaos, but I think they've, they've found ways to work around it. Coaches are scheduling on the fly a little bit, but you, you just figure your way around it like we have in this year of 2020. And while it's been unfortunate for some programs who have yet to to even play a game, some of them, um, it, for the most part, a lot of programs are getting games in, and it's been good to watch. So I think the season is going probably as well as it could be going. I thought it could be actually worse than what it's been, and, and I think that there have been stoppages, but we always knew that that was going to be part of this reality. Yeah, I think, the as you said, the scheduling on the fly has been the most important thing. Uh, just coaches finding a ways to get games in no matter what. But uh, – what team has really surprised you the most so far, uh, whether it's in a positive or a negative light? Well, I think that the team that surprised me in college basketball the most is Texas. And they lost on Sunday to Villanova, but mm -hmm. there's no shame in that. You think about Texas, this was a critical year for Shaka Smart and his coaching staff. They had to turn a corner, and they did down in Asheville, the program's first Maui Invitational title uh, in Texas basketball history. And you think about their backcourt, Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones. They have dudes in that backcourt. Greg Brown has, has made an immediate impact. Jericho Sims does it for them down low. The Longhorns are back to being relevant on the national stage. I think for Shaka Smart, people thought, well, you know, his seat's got to be warming up. you got to win at Texas. Maybe he couldn't handle Texas. Maybe he was best suited for VCU. I just think sometimes it take co takes coaches time. So mm -hmm. Texas has been a surprising team to me thus far in the season because I wasn't sure what to expect and they performed pretty well. Yeah, they're coming into the year. They were 
it was kind of that make or break year, I think, for Shark. And so far, they've looked really good. Went right down to the wire yesterday with Nova. Watched that game. Uh, you talked about Greg Brown in a, as an impressive freshman so far. Uh, I'm going to give you a few other names and kind of if you could hit on them as well. Uh, what are your thoughts so far on Cade Cunningham, B.J. Boston, and Jalen Suggs? Uh, kind of been the three biggest freshmen, I think you can say, so far this year. Wow. I mean, Jalen Suggs has been the freshman who's impressed me the most. I, I just think he's got the poise of a guard who you think would be he, he makes the extra pass. He comes up with the right play. I have been super impressed with the Gonzaga freshman guard. And what does it say about the Zags? That Andrew Nemhard, one of the top passers in college basketball a year ago, around five, six assists per game, he comes off the bench for the Zags. I mean, that's just scary mm-hmm. good in their backcourt. And Suggs is the reason for it. Suggs is a big-time player. Kate Cunningham, what stands out to me, Ryan, is the fact that he's got the size that he possesses, and he can glide. He handles the basketball extremely well for his size. He's just he's the ultimate versatile type of player that's perfect for the NBA. Six foot eight, can be that point forward, not afraid to attack the rim. I love the the fearlessness that he has in the course of the game. I think Oklahoma State's being overlooked. They haven't lost yet. I think they're one of the top twenty-five teams in the country, if you're asking me because they have one of the best players in the country in Cunningham. So I'm very high on Cunningham. In terms of uh, of B.J. Boston, I I like what I see. Uh, But for Kentucky, they they just have struggled so much on the perimeter. It's hurt Boston being the best version of himself. And and while he's shown me flashes, um, I need to see more. I need to see more. But uh, I think the two previous ones that you said, they've definitely lived up to the hype and then some. I've been even more impressed by Jalen Suggs than I thought I would be. Yeah, Suggs has uh, really been impressive from that first alley-oop that he had in his first game. We got we got lucky, though. Were you, were you able to watch the uh, uh, West Virginia game where he slipped? I thought it was a Achilles for sure, and he wound up coming back in. Yeah, great point. I, I was cringing at that. The college mm-hmm. basketball world held its collective breath. So it was, it was just so good to see that he came back in in the second half. You know, it's hard for a freshman to get accustomed he comes back after getting banged up and still makes an impact in that second half of yeah. that Gonzaga win over West Virginia. And credit to the Mountaineers for playing that game. Bob Huggins put that on his schedule. He knew that he could take a loss. I thought West Virginia got better as a result of playing that game and will be better off in the long run. But Suggs made such a great impact in the second half. So glad that he's healthy and will continue to keep rolling. All right, so we're a, a Philadelphia-based uh, area podcast here, and uh, so I want to get your thoughts on two th- teams out of the Philadelphia area so far who have uh, played on national TV. Uh, of course, Villanova. What are your thoughts on them so far, uh, especially that big win over Texas yesterday, but also that semi-disappointing loss that they had to Virginia Tech uh, in Bubbleville. What, what are your thoughts on the Wildcats so far this year? Well, I think one thing that Jay Wright does that he doesn't get enough credit for is the defensive capabilities Um, and the way that they evolve as a team defensively. So, like, against Virginia Tech, the Wildcats really struggled. They struggled to guard Mm -hmm. dribble penetration. They were allowing blow-bys. And against Texas, I just thought the defensive game plan was excellent. To only allow 64 points to Longhorns, they were down 27-20 to late in the first half, and Villanova held Texas to one for their final 10 in that first half. And it really comes down to finding that versatility. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is as improved of any player 
and he is as good right now in my mind as any player in the Big East, and he's one of the best players in America. He has taken the next step. He's six foot nine. It's a 15 to 17 footer, silky smooth. He's defending. He's doing it all. He is going to get drafted. There's no question in my mind that he's a two and done because that's the kind of player that he's become. Justin Moore, 19 points as well against Texas on Sunday. That's what Villanova needs to continue to solve. If Robinson Earl is that main scorer, stepping up with him. And on Sunday, it was Justin Moore. And when you have a senior point guard in Colin Gillespie who sets those players up for success, and you take the next steps that Villanova took defensively, and then the biggest underlying key was that Jermaine Samuels was doubtful to play on Sunday. Jay Wright told me Friday it was very unlikely that he would play. He suits up, puts up 12 rebounds. That is a senior putting Gus forward. Villanova took a step with toughness on Sunday. And it just shows what Jay Wright can do in a matter of a week. They lose to Virginia Tech. They beat up on Hartford. They show their depth. And they translate all that into a win at Texas. That is coaching. And it's coaching on the fly. They evolve as the season goes on as well as any team in the country. And Villanova just showed us that on Sunday. That's why it was silly to me that they were 12th in the AP poll to start last week. You can't tell me there's 11 teams better than Villanova. They are a top eight team at worst in college basketball. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they need to incorporate Eric Dixon in the rotation more? I mean, we saw the first uh, three games. I think he played a high of six minutes, and he goes out against Hartford. He plays 20 minutes and has a double-double. Yesterday, back down to only eight minutes. I, I know it's hard to take Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of the ball game when he's playing the way he is, but Dixon gives them a different presence down low. Do you think going forward, especially once we get into Big East play, he needs to be out on the floor more? Well, He'll get his opportunities to be on the floor more, but here's the thing. If Robinson Earl's scoring the way he is, and more importantly, if, if Jermaine Samuels is rebounding the way he is, it's going to be hard to find a role for Eric Dixon. But Jay Wright relies on Jay Wright relies on five, six, or seven guys. You know, yeah. he's he won a national championship in 2018 with essentially six players. Now, what, four of them were pros, but the point stands. I'm with you. I'm with you on Dixon. His role probably needs to be more than one this, but he redshirted last year. He still all knew this. Jay Wright trusted his guns. He trusted the guys that have gotten it done before for him on Sunday. I'm not going to question how much Jay Wright or how little Jay Wright plays somebody. He's one of the best coaches in the country. If Jermaine Samuels were struggling yesterday, Jermaine Samuels would have come out of the game and he would have put Dixon in. But Jermaine Samuels had eight points and 12 rebounds. 12 rebounds against one of the best front courts in terms of their physicality that you're going to see. I think that's why Jay Wright rode his horse. I, I think that's why we didn't see as much of Dixon on Sunday. I don't think it's anything against Eric Dixon other than he's a little bit unproven. I think sometimes people like to see a player or that people, people say that a player should be playing more. At the end of the day, there's a reason why certain players are playing and others aren't. One, it's too early in the season for, for Eric Dixon to play a heavy amount of minutes, in my opinion, against Texas. He's going to play more minutes as Big East play goes on, but we're not in practice. We're not watching what's happening. I'll trust the coach who's won two of the last four national championships. And I think Dixon's minutes will increase. And I'm not saying you're not trusting Jay Wright at all, uh, either. Yeah. Right? But I think part of it's just you got to ride what's working. And on Sunday, Robinson Earl and Jermaine Samuels were working. All right. Have you been able to uh, check out St. Joe's so far? I know they're on quarantine right now uh, due to a positive test, but 
two really impressive games, I think, against Kansas and Auburn to start out the year where they really hung neck and neck with two of those Power 5 teams, uh, can really score the ball. What, what do you think of them going forward? Well, I think that Taylor Funk is such a versatile player for them at six foot eight. You know, the junior from Lancaster, he is he's a really interesting player, incredibly versatile. And I think that Billy Lang's doing doing the right job and trying to fit some of those pieces in. I thought St. Joe's did fight. I thought they scored the basketball real well down in Fort Myers. The question for them going forward is what do they get on the defensive end of the floor? But between Funk and what he's able to bring to the table, and then you combine that with what they've gotten from Jack Forrest and Ryan Daly as well. You know, Daly's put up uh, 10 assists in two games. has looked pretty good. Demir Bishop's a Xavier transfer who can be a real high-caliber player as he gets his feet under him. So for St. Joe's, look, they're a back half the Atlantic 10 team. Um, I think that they could finish higher than they were selected. And I, and I think offensively they move the basketball well, and Funk is a really tough player to guard. So I, th- I like the, the start to the season they put together. I thought they fought very well in Fort Myers and put together a good showing. All right, we're going to uh, get into some Big East talk now, your specialty. Other than Villanova and Creighton, who do you think has the best chance after seeing teams play so far to challenge for uh, potentially getting the Big East crown or at least third place behind those two teams? Well, I think it's UConn. And I say that because James Booknight is one of the best players in the Big East and is a player of the year contender. Defensively, UConn is tough. They have length. You know, in their win over USC, it was Josh Carlton who stepped up. But it could be any of Josh Carlton, Isaiah Whaley, Tyler Polly, Adama Sonogo, and they're going to have a cook of cook come back in a couple weeks. The Huskies have the length to really challenge teams defensively and make teams work for the buckets they're getting. And then on offense for UConn, when you have a player as good as Booknight, they start the game real well against USC from three. That's the biggest key for the Huskies is can they find some consistency on the perimeter? But they just they outgrinded the Trojans. And what I see out of UConn is a team that with that kind of length and athleticism, they're too good to not be a contender in the Big East. I think there's unknowns across the conference. Marquette, yes, they beat Wisconsin, but they're just they're young. They have new pieces, and they have seniors who are taking on entirely different roles. Somebody said to me, well, Marquette has three senior starters back. Yeah, but Theo John, Hoey McHugh, and Jamal Kane, those are all guys that haven't taken on the roles they're being required to take on. Seton Hall, two and three start, inconsistent. Um, you know, Sandro Mamukalash really is a star, but what happens beyond him? And Bryce Aiken's still hurt. St. John's? Interesting team, could have a dark horse feel, but they're so young. Butler and Xavier, Xavier's 6-0. Xavier might have a chance to be a contender, but they got to show me that they can be more consistently um, or consistent on the offensive end of the floor. Butler, young team, Providence really struggling out of the gates. So I would pick UConn. Yeah, well, I was really interested by your comment uh, there on St. John's because at the beginning of the year I did a college basketball preview podcast and my bold prediction uh, for the Big East was St. John's to make the tournament. Uh, and hear me out on this, but they started they started 4-1 and one so far, only lost to a, a very good BYU team. Uh, it's really experienced. But I think due to COVID, teams are having to shut down and whatnot. And then you have to go out and play St. John's without uh, a lot of preparation, uh, face that full court press for 40 straight minutes. I feel like they're a tough matchup, especially uh, this year. What are your thoughts on that? And any chance that you could see the Johnnies making it into the big dance this year? 
there is a chance they have got to have better shot selection in their half-court offense, and they've got to mesh a little bit better on the offensive end of the floor. But let's look at the positives here. They average over 11 steals per game. They are relentless defensively, and that starts with their freshman point guard, Posh Alexander, out of our savior Lutheran, right in New York. He's a city kid, and he plays with that kind of game. His high school teammate, Dylan Adai-Wusu, has joined him at St. John's. They mesh together. They play hard. They, they defend. And Julian Champagny has taken his game to the next level for the Red Storm. Champagny's a six foot seven forward. He's now had 20 or more points in four of his last six games dating back to last year. And then you combine that with Greg Williams, the junior guard, who's really impressed and, had, and matched his career high with 21 points on Sunday in the win over Stony Brook. For St. John's, offensive rhythm in the half court is the key for them. But what we know is they force turnovers, they get out on the run, and they make things happen in transition. Mike Anderson plays a style that's tough for other teams to prepare for. And in this year where games are getting scheduled on the fly, teams are kind of going about things on the fly. It could be extra tough to prepare for St. John's. That does give them a dark horse feel. I can tell you right now, Ryan, I don't know if they'll make the NCAA tournament. There's no shot this team is finishing as low as ninth in the Big East. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, So a team that I think over the past five years, at least, has really cemented itself as one of the upper echelon programs in the Big East, Uh, Seton Hall. Definitely off to a slow start this year, though. Two and three. They did pick up that big win in overtime last night over Penn State. But, I mean, when you lose Miles Powell, Quincy McKnight, Romaro Gill, they're, you're sure to take a step back. But I feel like they also have a lot of guys back this year who have experience, have played in big games and whatnot. Do you think this is a team, uh, and with Coach Kevin Willard, that can turn it around after a pretty semi-slow start? But they have played a, a pretty daunting schedule to start as well. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that they've played the schedule they have, right? I mean, they they start with Louisville, then they host Iona, who's not a cupcake because Rick Pitino is on the sidelines there. Iona just beat Hofstra handily over the weekend. And then you go to Rhode Island. You go to Omaha to play Oregon. You take losses there. And then last night you play Penn State. You're playing your fourth game of the week. And what do they do? They come back from 19 down and win. That tells me everything I need to know. It tells me that they have the toughness to come back in a game against a Big Ten team. Yeah, Penn State's not one of the better Big Ten teams. It doesn't matter. It's a Big Ten team. You are at their place. You are down 19. You are staring at 1-4. and four. And if you're 1-4, and four, it's very hard to battle back from that. Seton Hall did not give in. Deandro Mamoukelashvili with 30 points. Shavar Reynolds with a clutch, clutch three. I don't know what Seton Hall would be without Shavar Reynolds. He's keeping this thing glued together because Bryce Aikens hurts. So they have to rely on Reynolds to handle all the point guard duties. Freshman Jahari Long is just a freshman. It's too much to expect. Miles Kale comes up clutch. Really for Seton Hall, this season comes down to, can Miles Kale and Jared Roden play well enough offensively for Seton Hall to have a chance? Because when they're scoring buckets, Seton Hall can become a different team. And then they need Bryce Aiken to stay healthy, and they've got to be better defensively. You know, it's not like Seton Hall basketball to be playing these games in the 90s uh, like they did on Sunday, or to be playing high-scoring games, they're typically a pretty good defensive team. This has been a, a tough start on the defensive end of the floor. But with a coach like Kevin Willard, he just figures out a way to get his teams to evolve. I think that that's a season-saving, potentially season-changing win at Penn State. The Pirates will play Wagner on Tuesday. So they'll be 3-3, three and three, Ryan, and you consider how hard the schedule's been. 3-3 three and mm-hmm. three, three and three is not something that you hang your head on. If yeah. 
if you find a way to have a winning record in the Big East and you play the schedule that they've played, it's it's going to be in the favor of the committee because Seton Hall, by by losing to some tougher teams, they won't have really an awful loss. Yeah, exactly. They're, I think they have they got to be up there top 10 with strength of schedule so far this year. Uh, definitely no cupcakes for them. Uh, a team who has played some easier opponents, though, uh, and I think a guy whose name is circulated that it's on the hot seat this year, uh, but it's, it'll be hard to fire this guy because he's a program legend. That's Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. Uh, beat UMBC, but they lost to Navy. Uh, tough loss to West Virginia yesterday. Uh, but they got a really daunting schedule coming up. They got Nova, St. John's, UConn. Uh, what do you think Patrick Ewing has to do at Georgetown this year to keep his job? Has not made the NCAA tournament. I believe this is his fourth year as head coach, too. So uh, what do you think Georgetown and uh, Ewing have to do this season? I think this is a rebuilding year. I think that next year there will be more expectations when they bring in a, a higher-ranked recruiting class. Um, but I don't think he has to do anything in particular this year um, that's imperative. You know, if we were under normal, if we were under normal circumstances, maybe um, there would be some things. But I think that Patrick Ewing is is fine, um, and, and I know that things have not gone well. Look, there's just natural there's natural pressure at Georgetown to win. But I think in a year like this one, everybody knew it was going to be a rebuilding year. They were picked to finish last in the Big East. And they were in the game with West Virginia on Sunday. So, you know, you got to find a way. Like here, they've got Coppin State on Tuesday. They need to win that game. Villanova comes in Friday. That's that's not going to go their way. They're supposed to have UConn Sunday. We'll see if that game even happens. The Huskies are on pause. And they go to St. John's. They go to Seton Hall. You know, if you could find a win before Christmas, that for them would be a positive in the Big East. I think they'll beat Coppin State. You can't be losing to teams like Navy here when you're when you're Georgetown. I mean, that just shows you though that they are in a rebuilding phase right now. So I'm interested to see um, what happens next year. I think they have too good of a recruiting class. It's ranked 22nd nationally by 24/7 Sports. You get Ryan Matumbo, Dikembe Sun, Jordan Riley, Tyler Beard, Jalen Billingsley, all coming in. It's a good recruiting class. I don't think there's anything in particular this year for Patrick doing. I think next year will be more crucial. All right, and my last question for you here. Uh, thanks again for your time, John. What's a mid-major team that you really like going forward and you could see making a run? A, a team that I like particularly is Bowling Green, uh, who started out the year 4-1, and one, uh, predicted at top of the uh, MAC conference this year. Uh, only losses to Michigan, and they really hung tough with them for the first 35 minutes or so of the game. Who's a mid-major that you like? Well, I think that that's certainly a, a good one. Richmond's obviously the popular choice from people. But how about Todd Golden and his San Francisco Dons? I mean, what a start to the season that they've had, not only beating Virginia, but the win that's not getting talked about enough is they beat Nevada by 25. They then beat Cal Poly by 28 on Friday. They face Long Beach State this week, and then they're at, um, they're at Cal on Sunday before going to USC. I'll tell you what, if you beat Cal and USC, or if you, if you win one of those games, but if you beat them both, like we're going to have to really start talking about the Dons in the NCAA tournament if we're not already. This team defends. They shoot the ball the high clip. They average 11 three-pointers per game. They can really light it up from three. And, and they've just got a couple of, of senior guards, Jamari Boudier, Khalil Shabazz. They've got veteran players. 
who know how to get it done. And, and so what I look at with this team is when you have a pair of – when you have Shabazz, who's a redshirt junior, you have uh, Bouye, who's a senior, it, it, it's, it's easy to see why Todd Golden's team is playing good basketball because they have veteran leadership in their backcourt. So I'm buying into the Dons, and I think that the, the, the WCC has gotten off to a fantastic start to the season for the most part. You think about Gonzaga and what they're, they've been able to do. San Francisco has gotten off to a nice start as well. And uh, even Pepperdine, they only lost by five to San Diego State. You know, they've hung in well with teams. So I really like what I'm seeing from the West Coast Conference, and the San Francisco Dons have been a big display of that. All right. Thanks again, John, for your time. Uh, we appreciate it here. Uh, you coming on beef up front. Uh, we wish you the best of luck going forward. Uh, stay safe and continue to do a, a great job out in the college basketball scene. Ryan, happy to join you anytime, my man. Thanks so much and happy holidays to you and all your listeners. Thank you. Stay safe.